Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. So it is great to be back, as Pastor Melissa said. We uh, had a good holiday, but we truly do miss Bethel when we're not here. Uh, We took in some great church services, but there is something just about your home church and spending time with family. And so we're excited to be back. We're excited to be worshiping with you. And uh, But from my understanding, you had a pretty good time when I was away. And so I just want to recap, for if you are just joining us for the first time, we have been walking through the fruit of the Spirit this summer. And so we've gone through most of them. We only got today and next Sunday left. And we've gone through love, that we need to love ourselves so that we can truly love others. And that as God has loved us so much, he created us for a relationship with him. And that we had the joy of the Lord in our heart that we can be joyful and we can rest in him when times aren't good. And the peace of God, that peace is trusting in God more than ourselves. And Joyce Meyer's quote was, cannot worry and trust God at the same time. And then patience or long-suffering helps us mature in our faith as much as we don't like it. It helps us grow. Kindness, we need to care about people more than what they have done or what they do. And so I hope you guys are still checking out the webpage and doing the 30 days of random acts of kindness. Um, I encourage you next Sunday just to be prepared for a random act of kindness in the service. Goodness, a goodness of which can be kind and strong at the same time, and a faithfulness. Don't let your past stop you in taking a literal a leap of faith with God. And so I hope that you guys have been getting something out of this. At staff meeting, we actually just talked a little bit um, for our devotion time at staff meeting. We just kind of discussed, what are you getting out of this series? And we started just talking around the table how so many of us are just learning from this as we go. And just learning different little things. And it's been intriguing and fun to teach it, but also learn. And I hope everyone in the room, I hope you get as much out of it as we do, because we're actually enjoying it as staff. So I hope you as a congregation are enjoying it as well. And so our verse, our key verse is Galatians 5.22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so we are talking today about gentleness. Gentleness, uh, the Greek word is paruteus. And it means humility and gentleness. And so it's interesting for me as I started to study this a little bit more that when we read gentleness, I think some of us are trying to figure out how do we be gentle and stuff, but it actually is almost better translated humility. And so we're going to look at that a little bit today, but Spurgeon writes, he writes, gentleness, this does not push, it does not push itself to the front. It does not easily get provoked. Some people are very hard, stern, severe, quick-tempered, passionate, but a true follower of Christ will be gentle and tender, even as he was. Familiarity with Christ soon begets of disposition and the spirit for those who are much with Christ become much like Christ 
He who lies on the bed of spices will naturally find his garment smell the same. A mirror upon which the sun is shining is bright itself and flashes its reflected rays. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but he who dwells in the infinite wisdom will be taught of God. Doubtless happy couples who live together in mutual affection and confidence become very much like each other. The one who becomes the other self, they have same aims and objects. They are often surprised to find that they have thought the same thought and are about to say the same words at the same moment. So do the saint, the savior, grow like each other after years of acquaintance. Only the growth is all on one side. We grow unto him in all things who is the head, Jesus Christ. And so just like if you've been married for many years, as Spurgeon writes, you begin to realize, you start to think the same, you begin to almost finish each other's sentences, you know what the other person wants and you know what the other person desires. And this is what our relationship is supposed to be like with Christ, but as he says, it's one-sided. We become more like him, he obviously doesn't come more like us. And so the closer we are to him, the more we are supposed to be like him. I truly love, as you read through the Bible, when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, it's not something that we have to strive for. It's not something that we have to like, teach ourselves to do. The closer we get to Christ, the more the fruit will just come out of us. That's why Jesus said that he is the vine, and if we are attached to the vine, we will produce fruit. I don't know about you, but that encourages me when he says, you will. It doesn't say you might. It doesn't say you could. There's a slim chance. There's a possibility. He says you will. So if you stay connected to him, the fruit of the spirit, if you're reading these fruits of the spirit and you're wondering and saying, Chad, it's hard to love. It's hard to have joy. Peace isn't always in my heart. I'm not patient. And kindness is there a little bit. Goodness, I fully don't really understand it. Faithfulness, I'm starting to get gentleness, I'm not that mean, self-control, well, let's wait till next week and talk about that. As you read through these things, if they're difficult to you, don't worry. What you have to worry about is drawing closer to Jesus, drawing closer to the Lord. When you look at this list, don't get overwhelmed. Your main priority is draw closer to the Lord because the fruit of the Spirit are these things. We have apple trees and pear trees on our property here at the church. And every year, miraculously, the apple tree grows apples and the pear tree grows pears. It's a miracle. It's crazy. And see, when we talk about an apple tree and we say, it was crazy. It grew apples. We kind of laugh. You look at me like, you're an idiot. But... What we have to realize is if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and if you spend time with him, if you seek the presence of the Spirit and you listen for the Spirit to guide your steps every day, you will have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You won't have to try. You just produce the fruit because you're attached to the vine. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging for me. It helps me every day. 
In letters to the Ephesians written by uh, Barclay, he writes this, gentleness is the most, and he talks about um, the Greek word parutes, and he says, it is the most untranslatable of words. In the New Testament, it has three main meanings. It means being submissive to the will of God. It means be teachable, being not proud, not too proud to learn. And three, most often of all, it means being considerate. um, It's divine parteus as a midpoint between excessive anger and excessive angerlessness. The quality of a person who is always angry at the right time and never at the wrong time. What throws most light on this is the meaning that the adjective prayers is used for an animal that has been tamed and brought under control so that the word spoken and speaks of that of self-control which Christ alone can give. And we'll get into the self-control next week. But the adjective of creatate is the fact that it comes under control. John Bevere says this, you can have the fastest horse. You can have the fastest, strongest horse. But when it comes to wartime, if that horse isn't broken, it's going to stay in the stables while the other horses go off to fight. Because if that horse won't respond the way it's supposed to respond in the heat of battle, as fast and as strong as it is, it means nothing. So us as Christians, we can be strong in our faith, we can know the Bible, but if we're not in submission to God, we're just like a wild horse. Just because you have the knowledge of God, doesn't mean you have the spirit of God. The spirit of God will tell you when to share your knowledge. Sometimes your knowledge is going to hurt somebody when your love is going to minister to them. A lot of us like to show off our knowledge when Jesus tells us to love people. They share what's broken in their life and you're like, I can tell you what's wrong right now. When Jesus says, love them. Love them. Bible tells me that people will know I am a disciple of Jesus by the way I love. Not by the way I teach, not by my knowledge, not by the verses I memorize, not by the books I have read, but by my love. So how do we be gentle? Number one. Being submissive to the will of God. Blessed are the meek or the humble, for they will inherit the earth. A lot of you don't understand and don't realize this. You don't know the story. And I only share this story because I think it's relevant to the point of being submissive to the will of God. Now as I go to start this story, let me tell you that Melissa and I are very happy here in Stratford. But I'm going to tell you how we got here. We lived in Strathroy, and if anybody's wondering who the big guy is playing the bass this morning, his name is Timothy Goodwin. Stand up, Tim. I'm going to embarrass you for a minute, just because I can. Tim and I went to Bible college together, and some of you may know his mom, Joanne Goodwin, and his wife, Joanne Goodwin. It's, It's awkward. I'm just leaving it at that. Thanks, Tim. Sorry. Tim and I go way back, and what happened was Tim actually moved to Strathroy. 
He moved into a house just around the corner from us. I do feel like I need to clarify. It's not the same person. His wife's name just happened to be Joanne as well. Sorry, I feel like I should clarify that. Um, And so he just moved around the corner. So here we are. We're living in Strathroy. Ministry is going well. Life is going well. We have good friends that live around the corner that moved to Strathroy. And we're just enjoying life. Now, how many people you know that when you're in a very good place and you're happy, that's when God could possibly ask you to do something? And I remember Melissa and I were talking just about what we felt God was calling to us, calling us to next. And a lot of people told me, Chad, you should just go and be a lead pastor. But I'll be honest, I just didn't feel ready. And so I talked to some mentors and stuff, and Melissa's like, what would be your dream spot? I said, my dream would be that we could go to a place where there's an incredible pastor, but he's, becoming, he's coming to the end of his time where he feels he wants to step back, but he wants to raise somebody up to take his place. And so I can literally be mentored for three to five years to be a lead pastor. And then that way I don't go somewhere to learn from somebody and then have to move again in a few years and uproot my family. We talked about this on a Tuesday night. Pastor Charles called me Thursday morning. And for you that don't know that are visiting, we made this transition a year ago. And now Pastor Charles works for me. And so he mentored me for three years to take this position. And so when he called and he, he said, can I meet with you? We never met each other before. We didn't know who each other was. But a friend had lunch with him and, he, and Pastor shared his heart. And his friend said, you need to call Chad and Melissa. And so we went through the interview process and everything went through it. And through the interview process, I've always said in my heart, and Melissa and I have always said, we never want to leave a church where we're upset or hurt or anything like that. We want to leave always in a good place. And so as we're talking, as we're listening, as we're going through the interview, I'm like, we're in a good place. I don't want to go. Why would I ever want to go? And God brought back to me my own words. I only want to leave if it's in a good place. If we're handing everything off healthy and everything strong. And I realized probably about after the first, or probably after the second interview, I realized, oh, maybe this is serious. Because I came, some of the board knows this, I were in the interviews. I came for the first interview because somebody told me to do it for experience. And so I came and I did the interview and I was kind of like, I don't even know if sure if I'm interested. As we had this conversation and realized I could leave now. I began to really take it seriously and start praying it through. And all of a sudden, because we approached it in such a way, being submissive to God's plan for our lives, we left. We left Strathroy and we moved here. And see, it's interesting in moments in our lives where you're happy, you're satisfied, you're in a good place, and all of a sudden God just goes, you're good? Yeah, good, let's go. And if we're submissive, we will take a step of faith and step into things that we are not sure of. I remember back in the fall of 2000 and, what are we, 2006, no, 15, 2015, the fall of 2015, I remember looking at Melissa, and how many people here, we, we all have insecurities, right? 
Just me? You're too insecure to even... Uh, should I say I have insecurities? Yeah, we all have them, right? We all have insecurities. And the problem is, is this. Every one of us do. And I remember in the fall of 2015, I remember sitting with Melissa and looking at her and going, you know what? I don't think I stink as a youth pastor. I think I can do this job. And as you know by dates, I'm already here working towards the transition. And we hadn't really talked about a final date. And Pastor Charles came in and he sat down with me that week. And he's like, I'm going to talk to the board at the next board meeting. But what? We're going to get the ball rolling for next year. And I was kind of like, all right. As soon as I was confident in something, God said, okay, it's time to step into something else. Because as soon as we are confident that we can do something, how many people realize that if you're confident you can do something, there's a chance that you don't think you need God for it? Just me. All right. <laughs> and so God will pull us and he will stretch us and he will move us around. And he doesn't do it to frustrate us. He does it to build our faith. Because after that conversation... I hit my knees and I was praying. I'm like, God, you got to help me because I'm going from something I now just feel confident in stepping into something I don't. But when you walk in the will of God, when you know that you are where you're supposed to be, there's a confidence there that's not in me, but in him. Because if I know that I'm in with him, I'm attached to that vine, he's going to work right through me. And this is us being submissive to God's will. Are you listening, allowing him to stretch you? I know many of your stories, and many of you have stories way beyond, better than what I've just shared on how God has stretched you, and you've taken steps of faith, and you've stepped out, and you've done things, and God has shown himself faithful. See, the nice thing is, Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Though life with Jesus, as much as we have trials, Jesus says himself, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He doesn't want us to be overwhelmed but he will push us to a point that we have to depend on him. If you're at a point in your life where you're like, I don't know what to do, sometimes that's right where God wants you so you can only lean on him. The moment you get to a point where the only thing left is to trust in him, that's exactly where we're supposed to be. Number two, being teachable. Teachable, not being too proud to learn. So at this moment... Stop thinking about the other person. Because when we talk about people who aren't teachable, we can all write a list. But right now, the only one on the list of your list is your name. It's the only one. All right, we're not looking at other people, we're looking at a mirror. Okay? Are we teachable? See, I believe that in all areas of our lives, we are very teachable. And then I believe there's areas in our lives where we're not teachable. And we struggle with learning from others. We struggle admitting that somebody might know something more than us. 
Any guys in the room do home rentals every once in a while? I know, I'm going there. Every time I go to start a home rental, Melissa will ask, hey, should you call so-and-so? And on certain things, yes, most definitely, I should call people. And then sometimes like, no, no, I got this. And about halfway through, I call somebody. There's certain things that we're good at, and there's certain things we're not good at. Certain things to fix in the house, I can do no problem. And then there's certain things where, yeah, I'm on the phone. I won't give out my sources because they're probably busy enough. But we seek help. But a lot of times, we seek help after we've messed up. Do you know how simple our lives would be if we seeked help before we messed up? We have a counselor here at the church. She works out of our, not here at the church. She works out of the church. And she's incredible. She works for a company called Peaceful Waters. And I'm not making a plug for them. But what I'm going to tell you is, I'm going to be transparent with you. I meet with her on a fairly regular basis. And she asked me my first time when I came to meet with her. She's like, so Chad, why are you here? And it was at the beginning of our transition period here at the church. And I just sat down with her and I said, I'm here because... I think a regular checkup is better than a major repair. And she smiled and she's like, right on. And so I meet with her on a regular basis because I feel if I can go and meet with her, it's like doing a regular oil change. It's like doing a regular brake job. It's doing these regular things to keep the car running so all of a sudden I don't have a major breakdown. I think every one of us in this room... There's parts of us that we believe as Christians, if we tell people we need help, we're weak Christians. You want to know who says that? The enemy. Because he wants to isolate you so you don't feel like you can reach out to people. Jesus never sent the disciples out by themselves. They always went in pairs at least. They looked after each other. See, I think we've got to a point in church where sometimes we believe people that come to the front to pray or get prayer, that if they come up here, something's majorly wrong. You know what I classify this place as? It's getting closer to Jesus. That's what I classify it as. And I don't know about you, but there's many days that I need to come here. Because I need to get closer to Jesus. And that's why at the end of the service, I asked you to turn to your neighbor and ask them, do you need to go to the front for prayer? Because I'll go with you. Because I don't know what your week was like, and you have no idea what my week was like. And maybe we, we just need some prayer. The church is supposed to be a place where we help one another, where we lift one on each other up. Where we carry each other's burdens. See, when it comes to a physical problem, physical healing, we will ask for prayer. But when it comes to a relational thing, when it comes to a marriage, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to grandparenting, when it comes to our workplace, when it comes to all of these different areas in our lives, when it comes to our finances, when it comes to just so many different areas in our lives, when it comes to our sin life, when it comes to all these things, we hide it. We hide it from one another. Because if I share with you, what are you going to think of me? 
But if we share it with a close friend that we know holds us dear and keeps confidence, because that's the biggest thing is we don't want everybody to know. And I don't think everybody needs to know, but I think we do need to share. We need to share what's going on so we don't have major breakdowns. Everybody in the room here, marriage, parenting, finances, life, every one of us hits a speed bump. Every one of us. And I'm not saying take your speed bump and hang it on your clothesline. But I think the more we're transparent and honest and say we hit speed bumps, the more our neighbors and our co-workers and our loved ones that don't know Jesus will actually be willing to hear more about Jesus. Because they think their life needs to be perfect before they can step in these doors. And I don't know about you, but if our life had to be perfect to step in these doors, you'd be sitting by yourself this morning. Jesus came for the broken. He came for the sinners. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful. Because when he found me, that's what I was. And he loves us. And I love the scripture. I share this at weddings. Is where he talks about the wise builder. Who built his house on the rock. And Jesus said, when the storm comes. I love when he uses direct words. Because one built their house on the rock, one built their house on the sand, and he says, when the storm comes, the one who built his house on the rock, the Jesus, built their house on Jesus Christ, will stand, the one who built it on the sand, all the things of this world will just wash away. I love it because I share with couples at a wedding that And I love it because I know there's people there that don't know Jesus Christ. And I tell them, you will have troubles. Jesus said it multiple times. He says, you'll find troubles in this life. He talks about building a house and he says, when the storm comes. So if you're here and you're in the midst of a storm, you're okay. You're okay. Make sure you're building on the rock. If you're half on the sand, half on the rock, start moving that over. Start getting the whole house on the rock and commit it to Jesus Christ and you will survive the storm that you are in because it's a promise of Jesus. James says in James 5, 21, he says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil so that, and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept The word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. This is the part where most of us, we know scripture verses. But do we listen to all of them or do we choose some? I don't know about you, but there's some verses that are easy for me to listen to. And there's some a little more challenging. There's some I don't necessarily like to read. But they're all there. And they're there for all of us. Proverbs tells us, verse 15:22, it says, Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Do we seek out advice from good sources? Good sources. Just because you Googled it doesn't mean it's right. 
I like what Mark Dristol said. I don't agree with everything he said, but he said this. He goes, sometimes we'll critique other leaders by finding something that somebody said on a, on a blog when they sit in their house in their underwear, typing it in their basement, and we take it for the word. If you don't know where the source is from, you don't know if it's some dude just sitting in his basement in his tidy whities typing it online. Yep, went there. <laughs> but I think we have to realize sometimes that we, just because we Googled it doesn't mean it's right. I've done home repairs by going on YouTube. Some worked out, some I called a friend. We have to check our sources. We do need to seek advice, but seek good advice. Perry Noble, when he talked about church planting, he said, don't read a book on church planting by somebody who didn't church plant. If you're going to read a book, if you're going to learn how to play drums, learn from a drummer. Don't learn from me. Right? This stuff makes sense, but we need to find people who are actually succeeding in certain areas of life to learn from. That's why you have multiple mentors in your life. I have tons of different mentors because some are good at one thing, some are good at another, and I lean on all of them. I call certain ones for different things. Because I know that if I call this one for this topic, he won't know, but if I call this one, he'll know. Know your sources, but seek wisdom. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. I don't know about you, but just because I thought I was going in the right direction to get to a location didn't mean it was the right location. So as you're going to Picton Conservation Area this afternoon, grab a map. Proverbs 27, 17, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It's my heart, it's my life, it's part of me to mentor and disciple people. I pray that you are mentoring people, that you are discipling people. Yes, your own kids, but even outside of that. And I pray, no matter what your age, that you have a mentor speaking into your life on a regular basis. Because if not, be careful that you're not getting sharpened. Number three, be considerate. This verse, I believe, sometimes is for us parents. 1 Corinthians 5.21 says, What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with the rod of discipline, or shall I come to you in love with a gentle spirit? The Lord comes to us in both ways. He'll come in a gentle spirit, and he will come with a rod. But I don't know about you, but anytime I discipline my kids, it's to teach them. Amen? When God wants to teach you, he will teach you through love and he'll teach you through discipline. Just because something is going wrong in your life, it doesn't mean the enemy is attacking you. I forget, I heard somebody speaking just this week and they said this. Just because something's going wrong in your life doesn't mean it's a demonic attack. Sometimes it's just a bad decision. Sometimes we pray away the enemy when we made a choice. You can't rebuke the devil if you run out of gas. He didn't attack your car. You ignored the gauge. In our parenting, what do we need to do to change and to show that we are being considerate to our kids? What are we doing to show the love of Jesus to them? Do you always come with discipline or do you come with love and a gentle spirit? There's a tension. There's both. 
If we only come with discipline, then we don't teach them the mercy and grace of God either. If they say they're sorry and truly ask for forgiveness and you can tell that they're sincere, showing them mercy as we receive mercy from our Heavenly Father teaches our children the love and mercy of Jesus Christ. They're able to receive it from him if they see it from us. 2 Corinthians 10.1 By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I'm away. We can have tough conversations if we enter them with humility. We don't want to just have conversations when we're away from people. We can have tough conversations when we enter them with humility and love. Crucial conversations are important. When we walk into our relationships and friendships and we're able to sit down with one another and say, hey, you hurt me here, but we come in a spirit of humility, not even out of defense or hurt, and we receive out of, uh, receive out of growth and love, we don't receive out of defense, then we're able to have a peaceful conversation. When we understand, when you know that that person has the best in mind for you, you're able to receive and give. But do we approach those conversations out of humility and love? When I was working with the students, they would come to me and be like, I don't know what to do. My parents say this, but I want to do this, and I'm not sure how to do this. And I'd always guide them in a conversation. I'd say, look it, go to your parents when everything's quiet, nobody's upset, when you can tell they're relaxed and just say, can we talk for a moment? And sit down peacefully, share your heart, say to them, I don't want to fight, I don't want to argue, I just want you to hear my heart on why I'm asking. Share your heart and then say, I will leave it with you if it's the same decision, if it's still a no, if it's still a have to, whichever, then I will do it and get up and walk away. And then you have to be responsible when you come back. This is just as we do with our bosses and our employees and different things, where we walk in and we say, hey, this is what I was feeling, this is why I was thinking this. But if your boss still goes, well, that's great, I still need you to do it, then you say, okay. And I taught the students that if your parents still come back with, thank you for sharing your heart, we still say no. Then now they're responsible for their reaction to you guys. The same as you're responsible for your reactions to your boss, to other authorities in your life that you go, hey, I feel this and this and this, and they say, thank you for sharing, we're still going to do what we're doing. Or, hey, thank you for sharing, here's still your speeding ticket. You still need to receive it and say, okay. But do we enter these conversations peacefully? Ephesians 4 says in verse 2 and 3, it says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. To exercise gentleness, we really need to have a lot of these different fruits working in our spirit together. We need to be functioning together in order to show true kindness of God, to show the gentleness of Jesus, we need all of these fruits coming together. And when we operate in all of the fruit, then we will be sharing with people, and we will be showing the fruit of Jesus Christ, and they will begin to fall in love with a Jesus who truly loves them because they see the fruit of him. 
Gentleness and humility go together. Pride is about thinking what is best for me. Humility is putting others first. Humility is not thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking of ourselves less often. Romans 12, 3 says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith of God, God is distributed to each of you. We have to think that we need each other. See, we are together as the body of Jesus Christ. Without every single one of you, the body isn't functioning fully. We need every one of you. And so therefore, no one is better than the other. We need each other. It's the only way that we will survive and strengthen and do what God has called us to do. One of the greatest things I see that I see people working together in this area is our hoops committee. Our hoops committee runs an incredible program, but they work together, they work in unison, and they give each other different roles. And they come together to succeed in a great mission. James 10, 4.10, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Matthew 19.30 says, Many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And Matthew 23.11 says, The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Gentleness starts with putting others before ourselves. We can be gentle when we fully understand that we need everybody. A true follower of Christ will be gentle and tender even as Christ was. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just help us as we walk with you, as we talk with you, as we stay close with you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you help us to humble ourselves and put others first, to show your kindness and your gentleness, Father God. That, Lord, when we begin to walk in a spirit of humility, we will begin to show your gentleness. That, Father, when we don't believe we deserve anything, but we just give it all to you, and you receive the glory, that is when, Father God, we will show all of our coworkers and our loved ones your true love and passion in Jesus' name. With every eye closed just for a moment and heads down. I've talked a few times this morning just talking about being connected to the vine and being connected to Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart. You've never asked him to come into your life and to follow him in a relationship. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus, so you're not able to say, Chad, I'm not connected to the vine because I've never asked him. But I want to this morning. I want to connect to Jesus. If you're here this morning and that's you with every eye closed, just out of privacy, if that's you, just raise your hand up high. I just want to pray with you this morning. If you've never accepted Jesus, but you'd like to this morning, just raise your hand up nice and high. Maybe you're here this morning and you've accepted Jesus Christ before. But this morning you just need to get right with Jesus. Saying that you've 
been connected, but you've just kind of fallen away a little bit. And you, this morning, you want to reconnect. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand nice and high. I just want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else want to join these few? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Here's what I'd like us to do. I'd like us just to stand to our feet. take another step this morning. If you have raised your hand, what I'd ask you to do is take a step of faith and just come and stand at the front with me here. If you raise your hand, just move to the front. Come and join me. Now, as they've come and they've been brave, some people would like to come, but as I said earlier in the service, we're just nervous. So would you take a moment and just turn to the people beside you and ask them and say, would you like to go to the front? Do you need to go to the front? I will go with you. And if they need to come, come with them. Bring them. Ask each other. get some of our prayer team to come and come and stand with some of these people. Thank you. Prayer team, if you're here, make your way to the front. Just come and find some people. Everybody in the room, for those that came and just want to recommit their life or accept for the very first time, we're going to say a prayer together, and I want everybody just to repeat after me. And so everyone in the seats, everyone in the front, let's pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I am a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness today. I would like to become a part of your family. So Jesus, Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Help me walk with you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give them a hand? team, as you came forward and you're standing with different people, just talk to them for a moment. Get their names. See if you can connect with them this week. Church family, this is what I love. Seeing people come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is how Jesus, this is why Jesus came, to save the lost. So if you're here this morning, you're sitting in your seats, continue to pray for your neighbors and your co-workers. 
Because what we're seeing as people come to know Jesus every Sunday is a move of God that you've been praying for. So now continue to pray. Continue to press in. We'll see this afternoon at Picton. And so, Father, I pray that, Lord, you bless everyone in this room. You love on them. You encourage them. Let them have a great week, Father. And, Lord, I pray that as we continue to move and be a blessing for you, that, Lord, you shine through us. Help us to be your light. Help us to be your light, Lord Jesus. And I just pray a blessing over everyone. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 